Good morning, Rabbi Isai. How's everybody? Agutavach. Today's share is being sponsored by Rafuas. Raise a gittel bas, Esther, my downstairs neighbor, Dr. Epstein's wife, Avi Kamiansky's mother in law. Today's shear is also being sponsored. Hmm. Lili Nishmas, Rav Shmuel Tzvi Ben Yaakov Berkovitz. He was the Menali Yeshivitana Paseik. I went to Paseik, not the Yeshivitana. Former Menali Moises Aratayr Cleveland and Rav of Kalyarema Paseik, which was suddenly lifted, who was suddenly lifted this week, may be a Melitz Yeshiv's dear Ashish Chayel children, grandchildren, Talmidim, Mispalim, love so much, and friends. Sorry, all of whom he loved so much. It printed not the best, but okay, that's what he meant. All of whom he loved so much. Before Shlema to Anna Lisa Batali. Wow, all right. You should have known from many more tsars than Shama should have an Aliyah, and Anna Lisa Batali should have a Before Shlema. What do we have here? We have a quick one. Hopefully, from Lauren Spiegelman. Dear Eli, yesterday I paid a Nikom Avelin phone call to someone that I haven't spoken to since we were in Yeshiva together over 25 years ago. So we were catching up. And when I told my I live in Ramah Shemesh, he said, Oh, I listened to the Fiyomi Shir from someone in Ramah Shemesh. I said, Wait, are you talking about Eli Stefanski Shir? Yes, I watched it on YouTube. I said, That's amazing. We've been in the same Daf Shir all this time, but we never knew because I'm on Zoom and you're on YouTube. He said he never felt like he understood Gemara until this year. And Eli, you don't know him about him because he's on YouTube. So please give a shout out to Kenny Camille from Los Angeles and wish him And like they say in Eretz Yisrael, Yishikoyach Lauren, letting me know. Here's another one. Last November, we moved from Cleveland, Ohio to Muncie. We have a daughter and son-in-law who live near MDY. Ari Mazenkis, Dr. Ari Mazenkis, was the one who got me hooked on the shear. So I don't know if this is one of those, now Moshe Hirsch is getting nervous. I see he's already starting to, here's a guy that got hooked on the shear, but I don't know if it's before or after you. Now, talking about Moshe Hirsch, he's there, he's smiling, he's all excited, good, he's going to give 100 bucks to MDY. I, just, I do have to tell you that I wrote him an email, and I said, I don't feel comfortable taking your money. It's a great idea, but $500 is a lot of money, and I like the idea, but maybe, maybe don't, you don't have to do this. And he wrote me back that he discussed it with his wife and they feel that this is the greatest chus that they could possibly do. To get somebody hooked to Torah for life, there's no, there's no value to it, he writes. And he doesn't care how hard it is or what, he has to do it. So beautiful, unbelievable. Anyways, going on, I don't know if he, this guy is hooked before or after. So we're going to give you a break this time. I've been doing the daf mostly on, but sometimes off for well over 20 years, but I've never been so addicted and obsessed as I am with Reb Eli. This guy didn't even hear that song that's going to come out soon about addiction and obsession. It is absolutely phenomenal, and I also have been learning Gemara since I was in fifth grade, growing up in Pittsburgh. I've never had a head for it until going to MDY. Stan Fireman, Yishkoyach, Stan. All right, beautiful. Yishkoyach, here we go. Today is Daf Kufman Beis. 
And for those of you who are just joining us, we are actually a couple lines down on Daf Kufman Beis. Two, four, six, eight, nine lines down. Kalkolov, Evan Besoycho, smack in the middle of a sugya, and it was Matzah Shabbos. We figured we might as well plug ahead. Sorry for those of you who didn't learn the Daf or thought I might stop earlier. Usually that doesn't happen during the week. Matzah Shabbos is an exception. So one of the things the Mishnah tells us is that if you have a basket, and inside the basket you have a stone, you let it carry it. At the end of the day, your basket is carrying a muktza item. And if it's carrying a muktza item, then the whole base, the whole basket becomes muktza as well. We're talking about a basket full of fruit. And if it's full of fruit, then what you're carrying is fruit. It's a base of fruit. What's more important, the fruit or a, a little stone? The fruit. So therefore, we view the fruit as the main thing, and the basket is mutter to be carried. Ask the Gemara, I'm not going to let you off the hook so easily. Throw out the fruit, and get to the bottom of it, chuck the stone, and then, and then you'll take the fruit off the ground, put it back in the basket. Who gives you the right to carry a stone? Yeah, I understand stone versus fruit, fruit is more important, but at the end they have a way out of it. You don't have to carry the mukta. If you don't have to carry the mukta, so get rid of the stone. We're talking about very delicate fruit, such as strawberries, says Rashi, grapes. They are ripe. You throw them on the floor, they're going to get ruined. By us also, in our sugyo, you can answer the same answer. We're talking about very delicate fruit. So why don't you just shake it out? You don't have to throw the fruit on the ground. Don't be that aggressive. But you have a basket. There's a stone somewhere. Start moving it around. Go like this until the stone gets to the top. And once it gets to the top, give it a little shuckle. It'll fall out and you're good. Says the Gemara. Hacha bikalkolo We had a very similar sugyo. The Mishnah, I believe, with you had a pail made out of a pumpkin, and because you wanted the pail to be able to be heavier than the water, so you added a, a stone to it. Oh, by the way, hold on, I see Joel Pollack on, Pollack, Joel Pollack, here we go. Shkoyach Joel. So, congratulations on your new book. I don't have the book's name here, but Joel is a famous writer, and he wrote a book. And in the book, he writes, in the, in the beginning, he writes, he wants to thank, I'm grateful for the religious guidance over several years. Rabbi Baruch Des, Rabbi Baruch that, Rabbi Eli, and Rabbi, uh, Rabbi, no, Rabbi Eli Stefanski of the Daily Dafyomi Program, a pillar of strength. I'm not sure if the pillar of strength is me, or all these rabbis before me, but I'm going to say it's about me, so finished. Whoever wants can read it and figure it out themselves. Yishkayach Joel, Atzlacha, Los Angeles, Right? Los Angeles, and uh, the guy that we just were Menachem Avel, also Los Angeles. So Los Angeles, you guys have the, Harry Shalom is doing a scene there together with, uh, I forgot who, Kitzur, there's a place to go. Says the Gemara, we're talking about 
so I don't lose my thought here. We're talking about something similar. So if you remember the pail, we added a stone to the pail so that you could draw water. And we said it's on the top of the pail so it could tip over. Tied to the pail, it's not going to fall out. Same exact thing here. We're talking about a basket that has a hole in it right over here. So I put the stone to cover the hole. So it's not a stone, and look, it's tied nicely with the blue string. So it's not a stone that I could just get rid of and, and, and throw it away. I can't get rid of it. I can't shake it off. It's, it's there to stay. It's part of the basket. Alright. So, if you just read the Gemara, the Gemara is answering that we're talking about a very specific case of a stone that's embedded within the basket, and therefore, that's why I don't have to get rid of the stone, and I could, I could carry it around because I have fruit in it. What about the other terrace that the Gemara said, that the fruit is going to get ruined if I put it on the floor? It seems like the Gemara goes away from it. However, the Rishayim and the tour brings us down, La'alacha brings both of these reasons to be able to carry a basket. A, as the Gemara says right now, because the stone is part and parcel with the basket. B, even if it's not, but in a situation where you might, you might uh, ruin the fruit by pouring out the fruit, then you're allowed to carry the basket with the fruit without getting rid of the fruit. Metalkal and truma. So, we had this case, to remind you, we have a basket with truma and non-truma. This is truma tmeya. What's truma tmeya? Beautiful depiction by Yoni, is a little dead sherets laying on your fruit, it becomes tame. So you have two piles here, a pile of tame and a pile of tar. Says the Gemara, so that's why Yoni, when he made his picture, he has the tummy on top and the tar on the bottom. In other words, the only way to get to the good stuff is touching the mukta. Why is this mukta? Because it's tummy. It needs to be burnt. You cannot burn it on Shabbos, so it's worthless. It doesn't have any value at all, similar to stones and, 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 and dirt. But it's on the bottom. So Rav Chizda comes along and says, I'll tell you what's pshat over here. Shad is that the tar is on the bottom, there's a layer on the bottom, there's a layer on top of it that prevents me to get to it. But if the tar is on top, you have no business moving this, this basket. Just go grab whatever you need from the top and eat it. Ask the Gemara, what do you get? So let's say the tar is on the bottom. So why don't you just toss everything out? Chuck it over. Says the Gemara. So once again, we're talking about fruit that will get ruined if you pour it out. Now the Gemara doesn't ask that maybe you should shake it and, and, and move the, the good stuff because Tysus explains that we're talking about small kalim. They're like a bunch of small little vessels, like these plastic containers, imagine your mind, plastic containers, inside a nice big box. So you can't start shuffling them around. It's not going to go. If you shuffle it around, everything will spill over. You can't, it's not like before we had a rock on the bottom of fruit and you, you move it until the rock gets to the top. You can't do that because they're in little containers. 
Meisvei, and I believe the reason why Tosis understands it like that is because since it's Tomei, it's very difficult not to, to blur the lines. You have Tomei fruit with Ktar fruit. How's that going to work? So he says it makes a lot of sense, practically speaking, that they're in containers. He's not just making up a story, oh, there's containers, not containers. They're in containers because otherwise, how are you going to differentiate between the Tar and the Tomei? So we're talking about the fruit that's going to get ruined, like berries, you don't want to turn it over. So again, so Rav Chizah says, there's one case here. We must be talking about a case where the, the tar food is on the bottom. The only way to get to it is by moving the tame fruit on top. But it says in the Bryce, not like that. It says, You can carry a basket with tahar f- fruit and tame fruit, or with chulin, that's also tar. In other words, it's edible. It says, in the Bryce. It doesn't matter where the tar is. The tar could be on the bottom, the tar could be on the top. So why did Rav Chizda decide that the tar is on the bottom? It says, Mufurish, the tar could be on the top. Yuvta the Rav Chizda, bomb question. Omalach Rav Chizda, Masnisin Litzarech Gufon. Our mission is talking about where I need the guf. So until now, every time we speak about Litzarech Gufon, we're talking about, a, a, let's say, a hammer. I have a hammer that's mukta. I need the hammer to break open a coconut. Litzarech Gufon, I need to use the actual hammer to perform a malacha. Now it's different. Very different. Oh, Dr. Epstein, how are you doing? Are you home? Surah's Taivas about your wife, Surah's Taivas, great to see you. Wow, it's a big chizik for everybody. That in this situation, you're with us today. Unbelievable. Beautiful. Says the Gemara. We are talking about that he wants to eat the fruit. It's very different. You hear what's going on? It would be similar to saying that the coconut is the tzarech gufay. Not the hammer that you're breaking the coconut open, but rather the coconut itself, tzarech gufay. Over here we're saying that the, the fruit that's edible, the truma tahira that's edible is the tzarech gufay. I want to get to that to eat that. It's interesting. Masnisin le gufay. Right? Because I'm not using the tomei truma to do something, to, to perform a malach that I need. I'm, I'm, I'm simply wanting to eat the kosher food. So that's called tzarech gufay. Braisa le And the braisa that says that there's no difference whether the tar is on top or on the bottom is talking about that I need the place of the basket. The basket is on my Shabbos table and I want to make a meal. It's taking up too much space. So I want to move the basket. Now, if I want to move the basket, does it make a difference where the kosher food is? Top level, bottom level? Makes no difference. I'm, I'm looking at the basket as a whole. I need to get rid of this basket. It's taking up too much room. So I can move it. So it doesn't matter. That's why the Bible says it doesn't matter whether the tar is on top, tar is on the bottom. What good is it going to be if I could eat off the top and get rid of the food? It does no good for me because the problem is not the food. The problem is the basket. So in order to get rid of the basket, it could be on the top, it could be on the bottom. But if the problem is that I want to eat the food, and the food is being blocked by non-kosher stuff, by muktzah, 
So that's why I'm telling you, that's only in the case that's on the bottom. Then I can move the whole basket, bring it to where I need to bring it. Because I don't want to start spilling things out, I'll ruin it. So maybe I can move it. But if the food was on top, then just eat the food right off the top. If you said, you want to eat the food? Go ahead and eat it. It's available, it's on the top. That's why Rav Chizah said it's on the bottom. Says the Gemara, my duke the Rav Chizda looking at Masnis Lansar Gufai. What forced Rav Chizda to tell me that all this guy wants is to eat the fruit and he doesn't want to move the basket? And therefore, since he only wants to eat the fruit, it must be that the fruit is on the bottom, not on the top. Perhaps it's like in the Brysa that the guy wants to move the basket. And if you want to move the basket, you can move everything. In all situations, what forced him? Says the Gemara, I'll tell you what forced him. Oh, my Rav, Rav is his son in law, right? Rava, Rav Chizda's son-in-law, Masnisin, Kavasei Daiko. No. My father-in-law makes a lot of sense. Diktani Seifa, it says at the end of the Bryce, at the Mishnah that we're going to see on Amit Beis, Moishal Akar, Minar Zakar, If you have money on top of a pillow, so I move, I move the pillow, I shake the pillow, and I get, and, and the money falls off. Vama Rabbi Barbachanor, Rabbi Yochanan, Loishon, Alatzorich Gufoy. That's only if I want to get to the pillow and the pillow itself. I need the pillow itself. But let's say I need the mattress underneath the pillow. That's where I need to get to. The pillow is on my Shabbos table. I need to set my Shabbos table and I have a pillow full of money. Then I could take the whole pillow and move it away. Why, are, why am I tilting the pillow and getting rid of the money? Because of the Tzarek Gufa, I want the pillow itself. Oh, when we say the Tzarek Gufa, so says Rav, it makes a lot of sense. If the second case of a pillow is talking about the Tzarek Gufa, I want the actual pillow. That's what forced my father-in-law Rav Chizda to say that the ratio, when we're talking about the fruit in the basket, I wanted the fruit, I wanted to eat the fruit, I didn't want to move the, the actual basket, I wanted the fruit in the basket, therefore, the fruit in the basket was on the second layer, and above it was Muktza, and that's why he said, only in such a case you can move it. Rabbi Yudo Eimer Af Malin. So we had this case. What happened? First you have a box of 100 fruit. And, he, and this is Chulun fruit. And this individual drops in one fruit. It doesn't have to be another color, but just for... Uh, you know, so you see what's going on here. He drops in one fruit, one more fruit, that's truma. So now you have 101 fruit. So what do you do? This guy who's the Yisrael takes out the f- one fruit. Now he doesn't know where it is. Yeah, in the picture you could see where it is because it's red. But in real life, he doesn't know which one it is. So the halacha is that truma becomes bottle, it becomes part of of this box if there's a hundred against it. So now that he, ha- he dropped it in a box of a hundred, so it's no longer truma. So in reality, he could eat from this box because he had a hundred times the amount. But we don't want the kayan to, to suffer a loss. So he takes any one fruit out and gives it to the kayan. And you could do this on Shabbos. Ask the Gemara, how can you do this on Shabbos? He's fixing the whole box of fruit. Now he could eat it. You're not allowed to fix a chair. So how can you fix a box full of fruit? Says the Gemara, So we're going to have a couple of attempts here. Maybe even three attempts. 
Rebbe Leza holds the Omar Truma Be'ena Machta. Rebbe Leza holds that the Truma in this box is considered completely separate. I don't have to separate it. It is separated already by itself. So I'm not fixing it. According to Rebbe Leza, I'm not fixing. It's there, somewhere on the side. This Nan saw Truma Shanofla Lepachis Memeo Benidmo. One part fell into less than a hundred parts, so now they all became usher for the Israel to eat. And now from the box, let's say one, one fruit fell into 99 fruits. Or let's say it fell into 100, uh, 50. 50. Now, we'll talk about, let's say, grain. Grain is better for this, for this idea. Let's say one cup, one cup of grain, a bunch of grain, and each cup is 50 pieces, let's say. A whole cup falls in to another 50 cups worth of grain. So we said all the grain becomes like it's truma. Israel can't eat from it. A coin could eat from it. Worst comes to worst, it's truma. But Israel cannot eat from it. Then you take one cup out of the 50 and it falls into another box. Says Rebbe Yezer that we have to be concerned that perhaps that one cup that fell into the second box is 100% truma. When you fished out a cup worth of grain, you just fished out all the truma that fell in initially. So now that cup has a lot of power in it. It's as if it's a whole cup of truma, and it fell into a whole box of truma. Oh, so very simple. One cup of grain fell into box number one. Box number one has 50 cups of grain in it beforehand. So how much is one cup worth? 2%, let's say. Now that I go and I fish out another cup from the box, say, Chachamim, in that cup, all I have is 2% truma in there. I don't figure the whole cup is truma, only 2%. So another cup plus will be mevatel that whole cup. All I need is one more cup. I don't need 100 cups. I'm not saying the whole thing is truma. All I need is two per, 100 times the 2% that's in my cup. Lefi chashbun. But according to Rebeliezer, the truma is right there in front of you. The truma is very powerful. It's there. So if it's there, maybe that's the same Rebeliezer in our, in our sugya. That the truma is right here, it's already separated. Says the Gemara, When does Rebeliezer say that when I fish out a cup from box number one and I pour it into box number two, I grabbed all my truma in one shot. Because I want to be machmer. I want to say that box number two is also considered truma. But not like literally Rebelezer believes that every time you go fish out a cup, you grab the right cup. Only when it comes to mess you up and say, hey, you have to, you have to consider the second box also truma. But of course he doesn't say, oh, it's very possible that, not possible, but it is in fact the one cup that fell in to begin with, that's the one cup you fished out. He's not crazy. He's just saying it to be machmer on you. 
In our sugya, I want to be mekel. I want to say that on Shabbos I could get away with separating the struma. Why? Because it's not considered separating. It's already separated. Look, Rebbe Lezer holds that if I take a cup worth of, tr- of fruit out of a whole giant box, I grab the right cup. So it's already separated. It's already separated. I didn't do anything on Shabbos. It's not fixing. Says so the Gemara, of course it's fixing. He's just saying you have to be super machmer. Okay, let's try again. Reb Shimon. Beautiful case. You have one part that falls into a hundred parts. In a box. A box that has a hundred fruit. Just like in this case. Starts out with a hundred fruit. And one fell into that a hundred. And you never removed anything. Your one Truma fruit, the red fruit that fell in there is still in there. And then what happened? Your shlamazel and another fruit fell in. Fruit number two fell in there. Oh. So now how do I view it? Do I have two fruits that fell into a hundred? So now they take up two percent. Or not? Harezu asuro. So... Tanakama says that it's as if two fruit fell in together and two fruit are not bottled in a hundred. In order to be mevatal two fruit, you need two hundred. This box only has one hundred. Reb Shimon Matir. Now what does Reb Shimon say? Reb Shimon is going to say, look, the fruit that fell in initially, we put it to the side. It's all by itself. It's not part of the box. It's separated. Oh. And therefore, when a second fruit falls in, that's now it now it's it just fell into a box with 101 fruits. That's kosher. But according to Reb Shimon, it seems like that it's separated. It's already to the side. If it's already to the side, that's why I could go ahead and Shabbos and pick any fruit I want and put it and give it to the kaid because it's already separated to the side. Says the Gemara Mimai. Dilma, who told you? Dilma, so Maybe it's a different machloek. Is the Tanakh I'm saw where I forgot the nafluk even though they fell one after another, it's as if both fell together. One apple fell in, 25 seconds later, second apple fell in. How logically we view it as if both apples fell in simultaneously. Now if you want to break it down and make it very simple, one fell into 50, one fell into 50. In other words, two fruit fell into 100. And for that you need 200 fruit, not 100. And Rav said, no. One, as it fell in, it became bottled immediately, one to a hundred. Now I have a kosher mix. Then the second fruit came along, But of course, Rav Shimon is going to hold that I need to separate one and take it out and be misakin it. It's no right to our sugya. Can't say that halakhali Rav Shimon holds that's already separated. No, all Rav Shimon is saying that it's bottled. One by one, it's bottle. I'm just thinking now, like when we were learning that bottle, each drop by itself, I remember, no, I'm jumping up. Tipa, tipa, mivatale. Yeah, something like that. Fruit number one comes in, becomes bottle, becomes part of the 100 fruit that are kosher. Fruit number two comes in, now becomes part of 101 fruit that are kosher. But it's not that halakhically I already separated a fruit to the side and I already gave it to the kayin and I can do it on, on Shabbos. No, can't do it on Shabbos. So who is this? This is the final attempt. The famous Rav Shimon Allah when it comes to Truma, 
I have a bunch of fruit, big giant pile, and it's Shabbos, and I want to eat. So I said, Lekavet Shabbos Kodesh, so you should be able to eat your fruit and, and enjoy yourself. You give a stare on the right side. You say, okay, right over there, I'm taking truma, right from that side. And you walk over to the left side and you grab as much fruit as you want. What does that tell me? That my truma was already removed. Yeah, don't go to the right side because somewhere in the right side is truma. So you go to the left side. You stare and you, you make a whatever nusach that you're going to say and say, okay, right over there is truma. And then you go take it over here. In other words, I don't need to remove it physically. It's already removed. Halachically, it's already set aside. Yeah, it's in the pile, but I already set aside. When Matzah Shabbos comes along, I'm going to take it away. It's not a tikkun. I'm not being misakin. It's nothing on Shabbos. It's already separated. The fact that you went over, you grabbed one apple, you gave it to the kain. I'm not fixing anything because I could, I could even eat from this fruit before I remove it. What does that tell me if I could eat from the fruit before I remove it? It's already fixed. It's already taken care of. You're just finishing it off, whatever, but it's not a tikkun. Ask the Gemara, but we have a problem here. You're telling me he holds like Rabshim bin Allah. Does he really turn into that Kufim and Bezom and Bez? Look, you see Machlaik between Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Shimon Elazar. Rabbi Huda is the one that says, You remove one. And Rabbi Shimon Elazar says, No, you just look at it. And that's it. Says the Gemara, the Rabbi Huda, deep from the Rabbi Shimon Elazar. Rabbi Huda holds like Rabbi Shimon Elazar, that with your eyes you do it. He just says that if you want, you can even go one step further and actually remove it and, and give it to the Kayin. Says the Mishnah, this is all familiar to us because we had this exact Mishnah, all the cases in this Mishnah basically we had already. You have a stone that's on top of a barrel. The way Yoni depicts it, it's a beautiful it's very nice because we're talking about one, one of these guys, not a barrel like we're familiar that's three feet wide on the top. It's a barrel like this, so one small stone covering the barrel. Now, stone is a terrible muktza, terrible. It's not a klisha malach delisser. It's muktza malachmas gufa, has zero value. And even let's say gufa mekoymi, you can't move it. So what do I do? I'm, I just tilt the barrel to the side, even though I'm lifting a stone when I'm doing that. It's tilted when that's sad and it falls to the side. What if this barrel, like in this picture, is in between other barrels? Now what's the problem? If I tilt it, it's going to smash another barrel. So what do I do? I move the whole barrel to the side. I could carry it to another place. When I get to the other place, then I tilt it and the, the stone falls off. Same exact case. You have money on a pillow, and we had it on the Manalif. So I move, I shake the pillow, and all the money falls off. So, says over here on the side, Yeah, the famous story with Rabbi Yankee Yankee was once walking in the street and a bird relieved itself in mid-flight and hit Rabbi Yankee So Rabbi Yankee said, I'm not in the madrega of Rabbi Yankee that 
when he walked and a bird fell, flew over him, miad nisraf, it burned. But by me, the bird sees me and gets so scared that it relieved itself. Fine. So that's what happened over here. It relieved itself on a pillow. Now, I want to emphasize this again. We said this last night, but we have to emphasize it because this is practical, super practical. I see it all the time in Shul. A guy's kid sits on him and, and, and smear a bunch of dust on his hand. A guy's black hat falls on the floor and becomes all dirty. So what does he do? Sometimes they take the sleeve and they go like this, like this. What's going on here, according to Rashi, is Isr Da'iraisa. Isr Da'iraisa, not a Chumrah of a Mishnah Burah. Isr Da'iraisa to clean it off. Why? Because it's Malavin. You're cleaning because you're getting to the bottom. If you get to the bottom of it, where you can't even tell that there's dust over there, Isr Da'iraisa. That being said, so what's the Mishnah saying here? You have a bird did its thing on your pillow. So you take... Uh, a moist rag and you, you clean it off. Now how does that fit in with Rashi? Rashi says this is the Raisa. The answer is because you'll never get to the bottom of it. There'll always be some stain there. You're trying to get the, the, the big part off of it. If some of it is remaining, that's okay. When you c- completely get that dust off, it's the Raisa. So this is even now Obviously, you have to make sure that you don't squeeze the rag and be over in schita. If it's leather, when it comes to leather, Toysis talks about this, the whole Masechta, I didn't really mention it that much, but there's the concept of when you soak a beged, you soak material in water, just putting it in water, that is considered halakhically cleaning it, washing it. By leather, there's no such thing. By leather, you don't, you don't say, busan. There is an iser to rub leather and clean it like that. But just soaking leather is not busan. Therefore, if you have bird waste or whatever, some sort of stain on your leather, you could pour water on it until until it comes off. Rashi says, we're talking about soft leather. There's a Dion and Rishonim here, if this applies also to hard leather. Now, Rashi says, we're talking about soft leather. leather. And we had this sugi also, when we spoke about the Evan on top of the barrel. It's talking about that, you forgot about the stone. You wanted the stone, you didn't want the stone there, you put it there temporarily, you thought you... You forgot about it. But if you put it there deliberately on top of your barrel, and it becomes, it's carrying, it's holding up the weight of a stone, and it's asr. Listen to this amazing chap. Think about this a second. Would you come up with this idea? Why is this stone that's covering my barrel, why is, it, why is this barrel considered as if it's holding up a stone? The barrel also has a lot of wine in it, which is a lot more valuable than a stone. So shouldn't this barrel be holding a stone and wine? Like we said before, that if you have a basket with fruit and a stone, the fruit beats the stone. So over here, the wine should beat the stone. 
Why am I looking at the stone and saying, oh, this barrel is holding up a stone? No, what's the answer, Rabbi Yisai? Beautiful answer from the Rishonim. Because the stone is on top and the wine is in. So in other words, I'm viewing this part of the barrel. This part of the barrel is only holding up one thing only, and that is the stone. The top part of the barrel is not holding up the wine. It's the bottom of the barrel and the sides of the barrel are holding up the wine. That's how they were trying to explain it. It's a very nice chap. Whereas in the, in, the, in the basket, where the stone is on the bottom of the basket and the fruit on the bottom of the basket, so then it's equal. And then you look, what's more important? But if this barrel's in between other barrels, so now I can lift up the whole barrel and bring it to the side and do my thing there, tilt it over there. If I have an option to move mukta or to move non-mukta, move the non-mukta. Right? Because right over here I have a barrel and on top of the barrel I have a stone. You know what? It's a lot easier for me to carry a small stone that weighs a half a pound than to lift up this heavy 25-pound barrel. Why should, I, why should I pick up the non-mukta when I just grab the stone and chuck it? Because if I have a choice, you go with the non-mukta. Who, who says this? This is It's not. It's not. If you're on Yantav and you're doing bur, you're, you're separating your beans from the, from the dirt, which is, it's also psoilus, but it's also mukta. You can only separate, take, remove the beans from the stones. You can take the stones right out, even, the stone, even though the stone is mukta. First of all, we have a problem with bur. You're allowed to do bur on Yantav. And I'm allowed to remove the stones, even though they're mukta, because I'm trying to make my food edible. No problem. Let's say I have, I'm wearing this long robe, so I spread out my robe, I put all my, my beans on top of the robe, and I start going like this. I can do whatever I want. I can use a tamcha, I can use a sifter. Explains Rav Shem In this base hill, let's say I'm allowed to do that's only when the the food is more than the psalis. Psalis merubala oichel, dirakol ber oichel. If it's a lot easier for me to touch the namukta, why? Because there's a lot less beans than stones, so you must go to the to the beans. You, you, in that case, Bissel is not going to say, "Oh, do the stones." It doesn't make sense logically. It's a lot easier to do beans, so go to the beans. In our case, the the barrel is much larger and heavier than the stone. So two over here, you have, so that's why you grab the non-mukta and, and, and not the actual mukta. Frank Mishkal. So, so the Gemara asked the question. Let's go back. The opposite. When you have that much wine, shouldn't you just deal with the wine? Why? So, sorry, if you have psoilus, that's a small, small stone on the top, and you have a lot of wine, there's a lot versus a little. 
Basil would agree, just take the stone off. Just like if you have uh, a lot of beans and a few stones, Basil say, take the stones out of the beans. The only time you have to take the beans out of the stones is when it's the reverse. When you have a lot of stones and a, little, a few beans. So over here you have a lot of wine, heavy, a heavy barrel, and a small stone on top. Just take the stone off. What's the problem? Says the Gemara, very interesting. So let's see inside. Over here, the, the barrel was much larger than the stone. So just take off the stone. So Rashi takes out this word le'even. Says the Gemara, very interesting. This barrel, anyway you have to pour it. You're pouring it all out. The bottom for sure, even if it has a spigot, let's say. You have to get to the bottom, you have to pour it. So once you have to come onto this lifting the barrel and pouring it, so you might as well just lift up the barrel right now, move the stone off, and then pour it right away. I'm assuming, I don't know, I'm just assuming that if you don't need the wine right now, but why else are you moving the stone? So you, you want the wine right now, you want the wine right now, and you're going to be moving this barrel and pouring it, so you're already doing that, that action, so just use that action to get rid of the stone. Why touch a mukta item if you don't have to? It's not the Gemara just explains it a little bit better. If you have a barrel within the storage room, or you have glass, so in other words, it's dangerous to tilt the barrel and the stone will break all the glass. Now you tilt it and you bring the, the barrel to another place, the stone falls off somewhere else. So you take as much wine as you need and then you put the barrel back where it belongs. Same case all over again. Omar of Barashi and Tysus points out, talks about it later, but Tysus says that we learn one case from the other. It's the same. I would think that maybe money is different, money's worse. So the, so the Mishnah says another case. It's only when you forgot the money on your pillow. But what if you put the money deliberately on the pillow? You cannot move the pillow on Shabbos. When I need to put my head down on the pillow itself. But what if the pillow is on my, my table and I want to eat? Then I can move the entire pillow with the money on it. I don't have to tilt the pillow. Same thing that we had before. This would be an amazing halacha. Unfortunately, we don't pass it like this. What happens if you leave a while in the middle of a, a, a backyard somewhere? We're not talking about haitzah, carrying an interest around. We're talking about muktzah. Now, I'm concerned that at night some guy's going to walk by my backyard and see the shining gold and he's going to take it. So what do I do? I take a loaf of bread. Or anything that's not mukta. doesn't have to be a baby. It could be uh, a tomato. And put it on top of the, the wallet and then you carry it. Like the famous halacha by a mace. As we're going to see in a second. I forgot... A brick. Brick is certainly mukta. Now I don't want somebody to take it, like, 
Nachman Seltzer said in his book uh, about Rabbi Wallace, he did tshuva for all the stealing he did his entire life. And one of the things he did was, he once stole a bunch of bricks from somebody. He was driving by, the, 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 he saw a bunch of bricks, he picked them up and he found the guy 20 years later, he had to go to the city and he got the guy's address and he asked him a chila and the guy said, are you crazy? You're the guy, I had to reorder the, all the bricks. It wasn't just I had to buy 10 bricks, I had to buy a thousand bricks. So you see people like to steal bricks. So he's concerned that somebody's going to steal his brick. So he takes a baby, puts the baby on the brick, then the brick becomes like a plate, like a bus is for the baby, and then I can move the whole, the whole brick. They once forgot a whole wallet, tons of money, in Rishus HaRabim. So he said, what you should do is, you take a baby, or a bread, and you put it on top. I, don't know, I think I told you guys, I once found money in my pocket on Shabbos. A lot of money. I took it out, put it on the ground. Then I said, wait a minute, why should I just walk away? Let me at least make a Kiddush Hashem out of this. I don't know if I was allowed to do it. And I see a guy walking by, I say, hey, you want some money? He looks at it and he started running. He thought it was like a scam, like I was going to like pull it or something. And... I'm not kidding you. Five people walked by, they wouldn't take my money. One guy looked at it, and he, gave, he looked me up and down. He's like, if this guy dares do something to me, I'll kill this guy. And he went, and like real slowly, bent down, he picked it up, and he, like, he barely said thank you, and he just ran with it. Anyway, I want to say, look, look, this is my Torah. I have to put my money down. My Torah is more important than money. I don't know if he got the idea, he just ran. All right, so it says over here, you put a, you put a tinoch. Now, how do you do it? It's in the middle of Rosh Hashanah. So a tinoik makes it not mukta, but how do you move it? Says Rashi, Dalid Dalid. You take, you take this money with the baby on it, and you move it less than four amas. You stop. You do it again. Now, typically, that's awesome the Rabbanon. But since, since it's a big loss, I'm allowed to do it. There's another trick. You line people up. And people that are lined up, human beings, they are mevatel the Rishus Rabbim. They say about the Ger Rebbe ones, he needed a safer, and he didn't want to carry. So he told his guy, but tell everybody that I'm, I'm coming to the base marriage. So, oh, a thousand chassidim come. They lined up, he snuck the safer in his thing, and he walked through. Now, you're not allowed to do that, l'chatchilin, if everybody knows about it. But if nobody knows why you're doing it, they don't realize that you're carrying, so that's okay. Or mazutro, Says Marzutra, you could do all this if you forget it. Ravashi Omar, Afidu Shochachnami, Loi, you're not allowed to do it. And that's how we pass him. You're not allowed to do it. Only when it's covered up breeze of the dead person, you have a dead person laying there, like we have by David Amelach, Now, the Rosh in the Tshuva says that. This halacha that only applies to a mace is by a mace. But by a klisha malachta isur, or by a stone, by money. Money is muksa machmas gufai. It has no value right now. You can't break something with it. It's nothing on Shabbos. But a klisha malachta isur, like a hammer, or a, a, an expensive drill or something. So in a, in, a, in a very extreme case of a great loss, let's say an iPhone. Chas if somebody has something like that. But let's say somebody has a, a smartphone, and it falls down on the floor, it's like in Rosh Hashanah something, so then, because of an extreme loss, the Mishabur says, you could use the Kikir Tinoik for Klishim You know what, let's stop right over here, it's getting late, it's a new sugya basically, 
and uh, we'll start from here tomorrow. Noam, give us some Tehillim, have in mind, raise a Gittel Bas, Esther, she should have a Rufur Shlema Bekarov. Ashtob, I love his man, Corey. Ashtob, I love his man, Corey.